0: Hi, welcome to the 12th house podcast. I'm Michelle Pelazon, your host and the head witch in charge. So happy to be here with you today. Okay. I want to talk to you about something (laughs) that I've been seeing quite a lot. No one's in trouble. Nobody's in trouble. We're all good. Here. This is a safe zone. Someone once told me that as a projector, one of my superpowers is being able to sort of see patterns and trends that happen in disparate places and bring them together and sort of shine a light on them. And I love that. (laughs) I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to take that. And I feel like this is a pattern I've been seeing a lot. I want to talk about scarcity and grasping and the idea that when we're really grasping, We have to do less instead of doing more. And I know that you want to punch me in the face when I say that, because I honestly, I kind of want to just like kick myself in the shins when I hear that. But here's the thing. Here's what I've been seeing a ton of. And I have been here. I want to be like expressly clear that I understand this because I have been here. So, okay. Let me just say this episode is for anyone who is grasping and feels like they're working so hard and trying all the things and holding so tight. And yet, despite all of that work, despite all of that efforting, their money or their energy or their love seems, seems to just slip through their fingers. I and mean, You could be an intuitive entrepreneur. You could just be a person in the world. You could be somebody who's trying to do their sacred work and you feel like, shit, <laughs> I am trying to make this happen. I am trying all the things and it's just not fucking happening. And what is the deal? What's my deal? And I just have been there. Like I remember having a million jobs as a freelancer and, you know, running down money being like, okay, I get paid on Tuesday. And then I get, paid, I'm supposed to get another check on this day and being like, looking at my bank account and my bank statement being like, wow, well, okay. Hope I r- really hope that they don't forget to pay me because I will drop into the negative numbers. And then saying like, yes, that $700 check came in. Awesome. And then checking my bank account like a day later and being like, why is there only $300 in here? it's because like I spent it or like it just felt and I didn't even know that I spent it. I was like, I didn't even do, all I did was like hang out in my apartment. How is this money gone? Like, where did it go? And that just infuriating feeling of like feeling like you're always behind, like you're always pushing to like try and get it to stay, but it doesn't. And this is for you. If if you are going through that, this is for you. And I feel for you because I, I have been there and it's just feels impossible. It feels like a Sisyphean task, like you're just rolling this boulder up a hill only to fall have it fall all the way back down again almost when you get to the top. And I know how annoying it can it can be to hear someone say that's because you're doing too much, but it's the truth. It is because you're doing too much. And here's the thing. Mark this. Quantum leaps and timeline collapsing getting to the outcome that you desire and that exponential outcome, not that just like incremental growth, but like exponential growth, it requires paradoxical moves. So the logical move is to say, oh, well, if I want to make more money, I just got to like work harder and do more stuff. Or if I want to be more loved, I just have to like show this person I love them more and like do more and like work harder on loving them and just like make it more obvious and clear. But that ain't the case, my friend. Ugh. Uh, this makes me think of this op-ed that I read in the New York times. They did like an entire section on the 50th anniversary of Joni Mitchell's album blue. It was amazing. And I cried, I love that album. And there, she, there were all these quotes from people who know Joni and who have loved her and one from Graham Nash, who was her lover before she went, she, you know, she went and wrote blue after breaking up with Graham Nash. They like lived in Laurel Canyon. We're living this like amazing hippie musician artist life, just like free can you imagine living in Laurel Canyon in a house? Like, are you kidding me in the seventies? And she left him to go right blue and like be in Spain and Europe and just like sort of, you know, get around and be Joni Mitchell. And there was this quote that she said to him that just broke my heart. She said, if you hold sand too tightly in your hand, it'll run through your fingers. Ugh. And that's how it feels, right? It, that's how it feels when we're grasping so hard to something, whether it's like money or community or something that we just really want this dream that we really want to happen. It's like the harder that we, we get like a stranglehold on it and the life just like slips through our fingers. So again, quantum leaps require paradoxical moves. And you might be sitting there giving me the double middle finger, like pals on. No, <laughs> maybe for other people, but that is not the truth for me. That is not going to work for me. And I just want to say, okay, great. I hear that. I hear you. And I would like to remind you of a mental model. You know, I love a good mental model framework that is basically says like, we all think we are the exception to the rule. <laughs> Call out. We all think we're the exception to the rule. We all think, oh, that won't happen to me. Oh, I'll never get in a car accident. Oh, me and my boyfriend will, my partner will never break up. Oh, you know, most people don't see success when they do this thing, but I'll see see success or, oh, that's worked for everyone else, but it won't work for me. I'm different. You're not so broken. You're not so, I don't know, helpless. You're not so different and special that like this won't work for you. Now, you may be committed to that and that is totally fine, but I would just invite you to suspend your disbelief for maybe the next 20 minutes and maybe think about that mental model of we are very rarely the exception to the rule. We sometimes are for sure, for sure, for sure, but often we are not. And what would it look like if you were not the exception to the rule? If this idea of making a quantum leap or making having a timeline collapse came from a paradoxical choice that you made if that worked, what it might look like for you. (laughs) Damn, did I just call you out? Sorry, didn't mean to drag you. But like I was saying, we want to collapse the timeline. We need to make a choice that's not logical, basically, because we need to make a paradoxical choice, a choice that sort of makes other people scratch their head and be like, is that personal, right? (laughs) That is not how I would do it. And yes, I'm glad that's not how you would do it. Because guess what? Normal life asks you to be failure intolerant and risk averse and be logical with the decisions that you make. Here's why. Because growing up in school, we have a set of rules, right? Your teachers say, write your essay this way, do your homework, get 100% on your test, and you'll get good grades. Follow these rules and you will succeed. So we learn that, well, if I deviate from the path, if I make mistakes, if I go outside of the lines, if I don't follow the rules, I will get in trouble. I will literally get in trouble. I'll get a detention. I'll get, I'll fail a test. I'll fail a grade. And then people will be mad at me and that's bad. And so every time I make mistakes, every time I fail, I'm bad. We also get this like sort of conked into our heads if we go work in a corporate job or any job, really, you know, I remember working at a Lululemon after I graduated from college. I Had like ten jobs. I was an SAT tutor, and oh, speaking of rules, just following rules. As an SAT tutor, I can say you do not have to be smart in order to get a great grade on the SAT. You just have to know the rules of the test and take the test and follow the rules. You don't have to be smart, right? But anyways, I had all these jobs. I was an SAT tutor. I was a trainer for celebrities. I worked at Lululemon. I was also a professional dancer. Like I was doing all this stuff, and I would be, I would be twenty one again, and. I started working this job and I just followed the rules at this Lululemon. I just did what they wanted me to do. And I got all these great, I got like promoted and I got all this great stuff. And it was like, wow, this is so easy. I I didn't think that I would get, I'd climb through the ranks so quickly. How cool is that? And it was just because I followed the rules and did exactly what they told me to do, right? It wasn't because I was like some amazing pant (laughs) folder. Far from it. I just like stood in line, did what everyone else was doing. Or what they wanted me to do. And that was like, that's why we get rewarded. And we get rewarded by getting, you know, more money or by getting promoted or by getting more responsibility and climbing the ladder. And we learn, again, that if we are failure intolerant and if we're risk averse, meaning we follow the rules, we stay on the path, then we'll be fine. And that works and that's okay. And if that's the type of life that you desire to have, then I would say follow the rules because like that's how to make it happen. But if you've been following the rules your whole life and you're still unhappy or you don't like the life that you've created or you're like, these rules fucking suck, which is how I feel. (laughs) Like I was objectively happy in a lot of the things I was doing, but I thought that the rules sucked and weren't fair and were dumb and were just rules for rules sake then you probably want to take another pathway. And that means that instead of following the rules and following the logical steps and being failure averse or risk intolerant or failure intolerant, you need to increase your failure tolerance. You need to be okay with making mistakes, with coloring outside the lines, (laughs) not to like bring up that stupid, that sounds so trite, but like you got to just like go on an alternative path. You need to make paradoxical choices. Choices that someone who, who's used to following the rules would say, well, that's illogical. That doesn't make sense. You know, if you want to do X, Y, Z, you got to go in X, Y, Z order. And I don't want to go X, Y, Z order. I want to go from A to Z. I want to just skip all the middle stuff <laughs> and like have it be really fun and easy and magical. So if I'm going to do that, I can't go all the way through the alphabet like everybody else because that takes too long. I want to do something different. And that means I have to make a paradoxical choice. I mean, to make a different choice than what might be expected of me. But paradoxical moves mean failing more. It means making more mistakes because we're not following the the quote unquote rules. And I know that this is scary, right? Like increasing our failure tolerance, we've talked about on the podcast before, but it's scary because we associate failure with being bad. And we also don't like the feelings that failure gives us, right? Like when you get an email from someone because they're mad at you because you failed at like a customer service thing or like you messed up a task, you get, I don't know about you, but I get this like wave of anxiety. It's just like full in my body of like, and it doesn't feel good. I don't like it. But that feeling doesn't mean anything. And that feeling also in my body of like, oh my gosh, heightened energy, is not that far away from excitement. Fear is excitement without the breath. So the only thing I don't like really is the meaning that I give that feeling. That, oh, I'm failing and I'm bad. And being bad means I'm stupid and that I'm unlovable or whatever, follow the thread however you want. But I can make my feelings mean something different or mean nothing. I can just witness the fact that I'm having a visceral body response or a feeling, and it doesn't mean anything, and that it will pass. I can also say I can survive any feeling because feelings, while they are experiences, they are not necessarily true, right? They're not like because I have a feeling doesn't mean I'm bad. It just means I'm having a feeling. That's it. So if I know that I can survive any feeling, that means that i can invite any feeling to come up and know that i'm going to be okay and that it will pass and that i don't need to make meaning of it i don't need to make it mean i'm stupid or that i'm bad or that i'm something else unworthy evil slutty <laughs> i would love i would love to make a meaning feel that mean that i'm slutty it doesn't have to mean anything good or bad it's just a feeling and it's going to pass eventually And when we're not afraid of feeling any feeling, when we don't run away or deem feelings as bad or good, then we are open to having fuller experiences. And I think inevitably that's what you want is to like live in the marrow of life, to like feel all of it, feel the range as opposed to just like the middle, the neutral middle. And when we're able to invite those feelings that might come with failure that we used to connote or associate with negative, bad, not good, things that we are afraid of, then we can begin to invite failure. And we can start to see those quantum leaps, those timeline collapses that happen when we fail, which is cool. Like it's objectively cool. Here's a great story. So investors in in venture capital, this is what I learned when I was raising money. So I, I knew this guy who was kind of like to, you know, helping me through my fundraising experience and he had been a friend and we'd worked together and he had had a bunch of companies that failed. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything more than that. He had had a bunch of, a bunch of companies that failed and he kept getting people to invest in him. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> Why? You seem like a bad horse to bet on. No offense. Like just being honest here, you seems like you can't run a company that well and things don't really work out. And he taught me something interesting. The first thing was investors investing people, not ideas. And that because I've failed in the past, investors now like know that I can survive failure, and that instead of being someone who's afraid, of when things are going badly, I know I can survive it. I can like withstand it. And that I'm going to learn hopefully from my failures, as opposed to being a brand new sort of green entrepreneur who panics at the sight of a mistake or a failure who maybe digs their head in the sand and ignores it until it's gone so long that they can't reverse their actions. They know that I can, I'm emotionally capable of, of withstanding failure. And instead of like letting the boat crash into the iceberg, turning the boat, or, you know, saving the boat. And because I've failed in the past and I am resilient enough to try again, I've learned from those mistakes. And that is a quantum leap, right? Because the next time, you know, the first time he raised money, it took forever. Then he failed. (laughs) The second time, it was like overnight, he raised all the money he needed. And I saw this happen again and again. I asked a bunch of investors about it because I was like, "Is this true that you would invest in someone who's failed?" And across the board, they said, "Yes, absolutely. I would rather invest in someone who's failed before than someone who's had a successful exit because you know success is is a fluke often if we do it like generally, like you're successful the first time because you get lucky. You just happen and you think that it's because you're good. <laughs> That's another mental model. You think that like you're the the exception, right? That you're like so talented. It's the success fallacy that like you're successful because you're actually gifted and because you're like so intelligent. But the truth is you probably just got lucky and you like didn't make any, like you made enough mistakes that were not grave enough that they didn't like totally sink you and you didn't have to sort of keep the boat afloat. You just kind of got lucky. But if you fail, then you like really have flexed those muscles of not being lucky and like seeing what you need to do. And actually that's when you learn how to be an intelligent mover and a thoughtful leader. And when you're up against adversity, like that strengthens you, right? I just thought that was so interesting and such a good example of a paradoxical move because investors, instead of investing in people who have a track record of success, which they do still, you know, they want to invest in people who have failed. And that's like a good thing. And I just thought that was, that's such a great example. Tech is not the sort of typical all the time corporate world and, and that it proves it. And I I just love that. And I think that our paradoxical move in this example is just failing more. So if we want to make a a timeline collapse, if we want to go from A to Z, then we have to be open to failing more. And that just means we have to increase our failure tolerance. We need to be a little bit more risk Inclined and know that we're, we're going to survive. And here's where this comes idea of failure tolerance comes to doing less. When we are trying to do a bunch of things and investing our energy in a lot of products or services or people or topics, it's because we're failure averse. It's because we're afraid that if we focus on one thing, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. And you've heard that saying before, right? oh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. What if it doesn't work? And you're like, oh fuck, you're right. What if it doesn't work here? I'm going to put like my 10 eggs into like 25 baskets. (laughs) And we really like aren't investing and moving energy in a thoughtful way towards any of them. And we're also trying so hard not to fail that like, that's really all we're focusing on as opposed to really living and being in the, in the present and like, moving with intention towards whatever it is that we want our outcome to be. We're just like trying to not drown. We're crossing our fingers and we're like, I'm just going to tread water for here for like a while instead of swimming to the shore. Make sense? So we're treading water, crossing our fingers, like a super duper hope that someone's going to come save me. I'm just going to like look after these baskets instead of being like, you know what? I'm going to take this basket. I'm going to swim to the shore that I can see doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It does make sense like in our minds, but it doesn't actually make sense. So we need to cut ruthlessly out of our lives. We need to cut that shit out. We need to cut back on the things that are leaking our energy. And it's inevitable that as we sort of like go through a year, whether it's a business year or just like a regular, not fiscal year, that we're going to acquire tchotchkes, things, right? Things that take up our energy. I'm looking at my my kitchen right now. And like, you know, my partner and I have bought some new kitchen appliances and they're kind of just like sitting on the counter and they're kind of taking up space. And we've just, over our travels and experiences over the last year, acquired some things and we're due for a deep clean, you know, where we're not using half this stuff. We got to like get rid of it. It's just sitting there, taking up space, taking up energy, collecting dust. And it's time to cut. It's time to cull. It's important to do this energetically in our businesses and in our real lives. When we are not cutting things and we're just sort of letting them languish, whether it's energetically, like we've got products or services that we're like, they're sitting on our sort of metaphorical shelf they actually suck our energy. They're like, you know, that idea of an energy vampire, not talking about people, but talking about like literal energy vampires of like appliances that are plugged in that you're not using. They always say, at least in California, like unplug those things because that's still taking up energy, even though it's even when the the lamp isn't on. We want to do that same thing in our business. We don't want any of our energy, our like powerful energy to be leaking out into an area that we we don't have eyes on that we don't have our attention on because when we do then it's depleting us from being able to do what we really are focused on and when we're focused with super 2020 vision or better than 2020 vision on the shore what we're swimming towards then we can get there right and this is another, I'm like heavy on the mental models in this in this episode, but this is another mental model that'll get us caught up, which is called sunk costs. We think that because we invested in something, we, we put a lot of energy towards a product or a project or an idea or a person or a relationship that we've got to stay stick in it to see if we can get something out of it. I invested so much time into this relationship. I can't break up with them. We've been together for three years. Like, I know it's miserable and I hate them, but like, I can't, we, we've been together for three years. Like, come on, we're supposed to get engaged soon. What am I going to do? Start over with someone new? Yeah, dude. Because, because if you keep going down this pathway, you're probably going to get divorced or you'll live a miserable life. And which one's more important, looking good or like feeling good, you know? So sunk costs, that sunk idea of sunk costs, really, they sort of like capture us easily. And we get worried about killing our darlings because we're afraid that we're going to let go of something that could be the ticket, could be the secret to, could be this magical egg that we've been sitting on. But let me just tell you something. If it hasn't been working for the last six months, it's probably not going to work. And it's definitely not going to work if you don't change your relationship to it. If you keep sitting on something, it's not going to magically overnight be like, you know what? I'm a viral success. No, that very rarely happens. Again, going back to being the exception to the rule. All right, so what's holding us back from like just cutting ruthlessly out of our lives and the things that aren't working for us? It's this idea of sunk costs, this idea that we are the exception to the rule. Oh, other, everyone else has to cut stuff, but I can keep every, all these plates spinning. I can do this. And while, yes, you are exceptional, I don't think that you're the exception to the rule this time. And it might be worthwhile to just cut those things out. Because what you're doing right now isn't working for you, right? If it were, you wouldn't feel the way that you feel. You wouldn't feel like all of your energy is slipping out through your fingers. You would feel resourced. You would feel happy. You would feel delighted by the business that you have, the work that you have, the relationship that you have. So, what you're doing is not working. So, we need to shift things so that they do work. And that means that you're probably going to have to fail and you're probably going to make some mistakes. But the good thing is that you're going to learn from them. And we don't have to make failure mean something. We can just let it mean that it's information that helps get us on the right path. So instead of doing more, we want to do less. Instead of adding more to our lives, instead of adding more products or services, we want to cut out those products and services that aren't working for us. Instead of grasping and doubling down on the outcome and saying, just digging our heels in. We got to have loving detachment and know that like what's meant for us will come back to us and we can always add this back in, right? What is it? We say this all the time on the podcast. It's so much easier to add more complexity later. You can always add more levels of complexity, but going back to like simplifying things is really challenging. And that, my friend, is probably why things are not working because they're too complex. Quantum leaps are graceful, simple solutions. So where are you making things too complicated, too hard? Where can you make things more simple, more easy, more fun? Maybe like where can you fail or be less afraid to fail? It's so funny. We're, we're like the most afraid to fail and we're the most failure averse in the areas of our life that matter the most, like our jobs and our relationships. And yet that's where we should be the most failure tolerant because that's typically where we want to see the biggest results. That's where we want to have that like timeline collapse, that quantum leap, that like astronomical experience. So, how do we do this? There's many ways. Also, we we like I taught an entire 4-day course on this. It's not very long. It's like 20 minutes a day. It's super powerful. It's called the 4-day energetic recalibration, and this is one of the days. It's just I walk you through every single thing that you need to look at and sort of cut back on and how you can cut back on it. And there are a couple ways that we do this. Just from a high level perspective, we're going to look at the things that aren't generative. So generative is life-giving, right? So anything that is degenerative takes away from our lives or is just neutral, is not adding, is not taking away. We want to just cut it off. We don't want to do that anymore. We don't want to put our energy towards that. There are some things that you're like, um, but I don't like going to the grocery store. That doesn't feel generative. Okay, well, you don't have to go to the grocery store. You can have someone else go for you. Or you can change your perspective on it and you can make it something that's generative for you. You know, there's lots of options there. But we want to go through every single product, every single service, almost all of our relationships, all of our relationships, how we're running our business, how we're showing up day to day, the habits, the processes, the rituals. Are they generative or not? Because if they're not, then why are we doing them? Now that'd be harsh, but truly, like you only have so much energy. And like your energy is amazing. You are a unicorn's dream angel baby. Like you're so brilliant and talented and special. Why would you use, lose even an ounce of your energy on something that isn't generative for you and for the world around you? Why would you waste it? It's stealing from you and it's stealing from the people that you're here to help. <laughs> Rude. So my recommendation is to go through your life and just give yourself an audit. What is adding and what is taking away from my life? What is sitting there sort of on the shelf, just taking up space versus adding to the ambiance of this room, of this ecosystem I've created for myself. And then take everything that isn't working and do a fire ritual around it. That's what's inside of the four-day energetic recalibration and then from there, once you've gotten that clear, you can start to pour back in, and you can start. You're going to start to see shifts in your business, in your life. In the four day energetic recalibration, every day is a different focus: growth, revenue, retention, impact. And there's a different energetic ritual or elemental ritual, I should say, for each day. And this is a really important part of revenue: is getting really clear on the things that are giving you revenue, that are bringing money in, and the things that are not. And that are not worth your time and energy, because when you can cut the things that are not bringing in what they should be bringing in, then you can invest more in the things that are, and that's what's going to get you paid, and that's what's going to support you. And even from a theoretical perspective, right, or sort of high level perspective, it's going to be the give you the most like bang for your buck. And instead of taking away from your energy and your focus. You want to invest in the things that are pouring back into your energy and focus that are in alignment for what it is that you want to do with this one beautiful life that you have. So that's the brutal truth. Damn, we went over some mental models. We went over, well, the fact that paradoxical, we need to make paradoxical moves to make quantum leaps. We talked about how you're not the exception to the rule. And that is a mental model that our brain loves to like pop up and be like, but I am. But I am. (laughs) But I'm totally the exception to the rule. And then sometimes you are, dude. Like sometimes you are, but 99% of the time you're not. We talked about sunk costs and how we tend to grasp onto the things that we've invested energy in in the past. But just because we've invested energy into something doesn't make it mean it's more likely to bring us success or that we're likely to get our money back. In fact, the more we sort of grasp onto things where that aren't working, the more we invest our energy or time or they cost us, the less likely they are to actually like be a return on our investment. We talked about how you have to, instead of do more, do less so much good stuff. So I hope that was useful to you. And if you want to double click on these ideas and really go through the four day energy recalibration on your own, it's about 20 minutes a day worksheets. It's really, it's a really fun and quick little course that is super powerful. I got a note from someone the other day who said that they went through the course and they immediately earned $800 to pay their rent, which was awesome. (laughs) So if you are looking to see energetic shifts that are going to make a difference in your life, and your business, and you just need to tune up, this is a perfect time to do it. We're at this downtime in the summer where we're leaning into the fall. And I don't know, maybe it's the Capricorn Saturn in me, but I just love getting in the position for when fall comes, when that like school, beginning of school season starts, feeling like, oh yeah, I got this everything is lined up and I know exactly what moves I'm going to make. I like cleared how cleaned house. Everything feels so good. And only the necessary things are here. And that means I can spend my energy like doing the things that I love. And that's really cool. Making quantum leaps, super cash, no big deal. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're curious to learn more about the four day energetic recalibration, you can find it on our, on our site. It's $29. It's super affordable and we made it really affordable because Because that's important. (laughs) And I hope you enjoy it. We've had like 700 people take it. So it's a pretty good one. If you have any questions, shoot me a note. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, what you think of failure tolerance and paradoxical choices. And you can let me know by tagging holisticism on your stories on IG or just shooting a text to the number in the show notes. All right, that's all I have for you this week. I will see you on the internet. Bye.